new day. I believe in our church is going through a new time and a new season. And it's really something we go along, then all of a sudden God declares a whole new season. And I feel like our church is going into something new. I was sharing with a group of our inter uh, intercessors and some of our uh, department heads and our advisory board yesterday. And I, I talked about a prophetic word I got in 2015 at MFI. There were three young, new young prophets. They were, they were probably in their early 20s. And they prophesied something over me that I thought, like, this is a backburner thing. Uh, it's not happening. It was about me uh, starting over and, like, being in an old classic car and God doing a new thing. And I felt like in uh, November it clicked in and God said, this is for now. And I feel like something is coming over me. And uh, I just have to share a few things with you. I have never been a person that exalted themselves or, or anything else. And I always wanted Jesus to get all the glory. I never wanted any fame or any honor. I still don't want any. But something has hit me and realized that I want you to follow me because I'm following Jesus. And I want you to learn everything you can learn from what I'm saying to you. You're going to see my human weaknesses. At the times I'm going to hurt you, you tell me. I can apologize. But I tell you, I'm following God. I'm following Jesus. And if you'll listen to what I'm telling you, and if you follow Jesus, you are going to have the best life you can have, and you're going to be effective for the kingdom of God. When I was, 20, when I was in my uh, 30s or whatever, it was in uh, 1989, I had grown up in church. I had served at Juvenile Hall. I was married, and we, me and Dora went into our first presbytery. And one of the prophets said, he said, you have always done everything you could do and everything you could do to be a man of God. And he said, you are a man of God. And I tell you, I have second-guessed myself in the last 19 years of pastoring this church and talking to different people about things. When I say something that I feel like is biblical and I try to correct the situation, I always second-guess myself. I always beat myself up, and Satan uses that to beat myself up. And something came over me today. I was on my way to church, and I felt like, you know what? I am a man of God. I have surrendered my life to God. I am not perfect, but I will own my stuff. I will apologize. I will do whatever I have to do to reconcile or connect with people. But I am no longer going to allow my enemy to beat me up about what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And as I began to deal with some things in my life, I began to deal with some decisions that I'm getting bombarded about. I began to see the wisdom of God. When I said something to a person, I began to see the things that God showed me before I spoke to that person. And I began to see how the thing that I said was the wisdom of God because God showed me things beforehand. And I see how the enemy tries to twist things on us and to condemn us and get us second-guessing who we are in Christ. And it's time for all of us to rise up and be the men and women God has called us to be. Satan is always going to be an accuser. And we're always going to say, but it is a time for us to be who God has called us to be and rise up. The world is looking for people, men and women, who will come under the authority of God and be the men and women of God who, can, who carry that authority and are living proof of Jesus on the earth. And I tell you, what we're talking about today, God wants to use our words. He wants to get our tongue right so that when we speak to situations, we are speaking life and the power of God into those situations. And we are breaking spiritual strongholds. I had him change that song today because I believe God is unstoppable. And I believe that we are carrying things that all of us are to expect to receive from God, expect to see things change. And to begin to look not past what we see with our natural eyes, not what we're feeling with our feelings, but what God is going to do and what he's saying over our life. And the things that we've been praying for, because God is a God who's going to answer. He's going to do those things. He's an unstoppable God. 
They couldn't stop him at the cross. They couldn't stop him in the Garden of Eden. And Jesus is still moving forward. When he was crucified, Satan thought he was done. And he had the little world to himself. But no, he found out later when Jesus rose from the dead. And he provided a way for people to have forgiveness of sins. That there was new life in Christ. There was resurrection life. There was coming out of shame and darkness and sickness and disease. And everything that oppresses us to be the people that God has called to be free. I'm a little excited. I'm a little hot today. Excuse me. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. But I feel like it's time for us to change together. It's time for us to rise up. And I believe God is going to do something this year in this church. My message today is the spiral of discouragement. My key verses are 1 Corinthians 10, 10 through 11. You know, last few weeks what I've been doing is I've been watching in my spare time uh, air disasters on the Smithsonian Channel. Real edifying, right? There's something that they show when there is a crash that these investigators go back and they try to put every piece together to figure out what's going on. Their goal is that no plane will crash in the same way again because of whatever error that went on. The black boxes in the flight recorders they use and they find out things that are going on to figure out why that plane crashed so they can stop it. Their goal is to stop it. And the word of God is given to us that we can stop different behaviors, stop different actions and learn from what our forefathers and the people in the Bible have gone through so that we can gain the wisdom on them and we can overcome. So our, our key verse is 1 Corinthians 10, 10 and 11. Paul's telling us, don't murmur against God and his dealings with you as some of the Israelites did. Do you murmur? All of us murmur. I murmur. I'm your pastor. I murmur. I'm constantly having to ask for forgiveness. That's okay. To humble yourself, ask for forgiveness, that's okay. And immediately it brings this connection with God and the forgiveness of those sins. But don't stay under condemnation. Start rising up and being the men and women who are overcomers because you've confessed your sin and immediately brings you in right fellowship with God because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. Jesus died for every sin, past, present, and future. And so forgiveness and asking forgiveness gets you right on that level where relationship with God is continually restored and you're interacting with Jesus. So some of the Israelites did that. For that is why God sent his angel to destroy them. We know that they went through punishment and they through, went through immediate correction after, at, at times because of their disobedience. All these things happened to Israel as examples, as object lessons to us, to warn us against doing the same things. They were written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. Again, those things, those disasters that happened in aircraft, their whole goal was so that they bring the updated information. And many times they go back and change different things in aircraft, different procedures that pilots do so that they don't duplicate the same mistakes. And it is because we're reading the word of God today, we want to gain from someone's mistakes. We do, how many want to gain from someone else's mistakes so you don't have to have mistakes and then have the consequences in your own life for what happens when you make a mistake? Our next thing is discouragement. Andrew got up and shared with, from us last week that when we hear negative news and we're constantly bombarded with it, that there's this chemical in us that keeps us in that negative mode and it takes a while for that chemical to be released. But she brought to us also that if we will focus on the positive, if we will be grateful and thankful, that we can see... Uh, the benefits and start changing that chemical process that's going on from negativity. And that's something we have to practice because we live in the moment and sometimes we forget what God has just done 
or if we stop and look around and take an assessment of where we're at, we begin to recognize God is working all the time. That there's something we could see close range that we can identify with that says to me that God is good and he's with me and he's working. He's doing things. I don't see everything that I'm wanting yet, but he's working now. And it helps us get that positive attitude and keep us from what Israel did when they murmured and complained. Discouragement is unavoidable, but what will cause us to speak out? That can be avoidable. I want to read you this little story in these five verses in Numbers 21. The children of Israel journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. <laughs> we're Christians. We accept Jesus. And I think we can get discouraged on our Christian journey. Well, they were discouraged on the way. He had taken them out of Egypt, and they were on their way to this promised land. And yeah, I think they're like us. They want an instantaneous, okay, I'm out of Egypt. I want to be in the promised land. But God didn't do it that way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of, out of, to die, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread, manna. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. You know, in those moments of our life, we forget. Again, they weren't remembering what God has been doing all this time. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Godly leaders pray for people. We know that God uh, raised up Moses to lead. We know Moses got very upset with the people at times. But also he was seen interceding. And we read that he interceded for people. So he was human. He got frustrated with them. He, he reached out in anger. He struck that rock. He didn't go to get to go to the promised land because he was angry at the people. He missed out. But still, he prayed and interacted for God's people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a brown serpent, and he put it on the pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. We need to raise our expectation today. We're going to have communion onto Jesus. We're going to see out of these passages how they looked to that crucified serpent and they lived. That they came out of a deadly destructive disease and their sin by looking to a pole. We need to raise our focus to the crucified Jesus. Because on that cross, he paid for all of our salvation and all our provision and we have to position ourselves to be open to continually receive the benefits from what Jesus did when he went to the cross. We're going to do a little exegesis. We've been talking about the last two weeks. We're going to dig a little bit into these passages, into these five verses. Discouragement definition is loss of enthusiasm and it's being deprived of hope. Israel had lost their, their, um, their excitement. They had, they had lost that uh, vision that they had of going to the promised land because of the journey. How many of us are discouraged right now about something? It's because we're in between seeing something happen. We're in between where God promised that we should go and we're disillusioned and it affects us. It's going to affect the way we talk, the way we think, and it's sometimes it can cause us to be stuck. Again, I apologize for my intensity. Numbers 21. Then they, the children of Israel, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. So that first point is they became very discouraged on their way. I want you to look at any place you're discouraged right now, and I want you to, to lift it up to the Lord and look past it. Look past where you're at. Look past what's discouraging you and put your focus on Jesus. 
He is your hope. He's what's going to get you out of that place and out of being stuck in that way. Again, Israel was on the way to their promised land. We're on our way once we receive Jesus. And things don't go the way we want. Anyone can say that? Things are not going the way I want. It's, it's a fact of life. Some of us, like me, I, I've taken uh, 66 years to realize the ideal doesn't happen. That the word of God that I'm believing in, everybody isn't believing and I'm frustrated sometimes. Why can't we just do it the way the Bible says and enjoy the life God has for us? It's not happening. But we're shooting for that goal. That's our target is to do things the way God wants. And the more we do it together, the more we're going to see the blessing go. We're going to more receive the breakthroughs, the healings, whatever, and the happier we're going to be. But we have to realize we're in a broken world. People are in process and they're coming out of brokenness. So things are not the way we think. When discouraged, we say things that we shouldn't. Anybody ever been in the middle of something and realized, I shouldn't be saying this? Happens to me so many times every day, especially as a church leader. Israel spoke against God and Moses. Again, we speak against God, and sometimes we speak against God's authority. So in Numbers 21, verse 5, the first part of the verse, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Well, if you look in through those first five books of the Bible, it talks about the state of the children of Israel. It says about Israel that they were a stiff-necked people. They were obstinate and they were stubborn. I know none of you are like that. I know I am. I get stubborn. I get obstinate. Sometimes I go through things for years and I finally get it. Like today, I got something dropped into my spirit as I was driving here. Get up, Bruce. You're called. And no matter what happens, you do what's right. And I'm always going to have to be apologizing or asking forgiveness. But I am going to say the truth. I'm going to believe that people are going to receive truth so that they can grow spiritually and have a great place in the kingdom of God. So this is not the first time that people were very angry with God and Moses. If you read that whole story, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, they were always angry at Moses. Is God ever our problem? Leaders in our society today are constantly spoken against. Becky said something yesterday that was profound, that we don't really understand all that our leaders, especially in our nation and government, we don't know everything behind the scenes and everything they go go through. We only see what uh, a biased media tells us. And we as Christians get sucked into the anti-God rebellion against authority. And what do we do? We complain. We even talk to each other about what we see in government and we don't pray for the leaders. I wish that people would have backed Jerry Munzer in the eight years he was a supervisor. In Romans 13, 1 and 2, everyone must submit to government authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against God. What God has instituted and they will be punished. Excuse me, how many of you don't want to be punished? God, forgive me for judging authority in the wrong way. God, you're an authority. You place them in authority. You, you do deal with them. And if we confess our sin and confess how we've treated authority, how we looked at authority, how we talked about authority, we are covered by the blood. And when we pray for them, we're putting all that pressure on them. Okay, God, you make them do what, you're, what they're supposed to be doing. You put that pressure on them. When you pray, God, we want godly authority. We want you to deal with all the things that are going on behind the scenes. We want you to break the principalities and powers over that authority so that we can live a peaceful life. That's what Paul said. We are praying for authority that we can live the best kind of life we can under their authority. How are we speaking about God's authority over us? Paul advises this in Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but let what is good for necessary and necessary for edification 
that it may impart grace to the hearers. Again, he's talking about, about pulling our tongue in, letting the Holy Spirit lead us so that we're imparting grace. What is grace? It's God's ability that comes through us as spirit-filled Christians to impart to the situation, to correct behavior, to change attitudes and atmospheres that are demonic so that a positive atmosphere comes into those places where there's negative. You might be the only one that's going to speak positive to a situation at work. You know, the break room or people start ragging, ragging on this or that. You could be that person that changes the atmosphere of, the, of that thing. Israel asked the question, why? In Numbers 21b, 5b, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? What has happened to their perception and their understanding? This question reveals the view of where they were at and not where they were going. Again, we have to always readjust our focus when we're drawn into things that affect our mind, emotions, and will. We have to see not where we're at at the moment, but where are we going? Where have we come from and where is God taking us to? If they had remembered where they, had, where they were at and what God had already done, they could have restrained their outbursts. They could have calmed themselves and said, wait a second, haven't we been here before? Haven't we needed food and water before? Yes, we're moving through this wilderness. We're moving through this desert. But hasn't God, didn't he provide yesterday? Didn't he provide? Instead of getting this attitude and then having that outburst against God and Moses. My daughter brought up this word to me the other day, and I thought, wow, this is a good word. Ever been irritable? Having or showing a tendency to be easily annoyed or made angry. Uh, ever happened in your marriage, in your family? Again, it's over things we can't control. We start getting irritated, and we do little murmurings, or we do little outbursts. God, forgive me. I've been doing a lot of asking forgiveness lately. We live from our thoughts and emotions. It's interesting. Our thoughts and emotions are where we live from. And so if we get those thoughts and emotions under the lordship of Christ, we can live a better life in our in-between while we're waiting for God to do more things. Let's talk about, they said they weren't getting any food, right? Well, Exodus 16, 13b through 15 says this, talking about manna, the bread from heaven. In the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. In Exodus 16.31, the people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white, like coriander seed, and tasted like wafers made with honey. In Exodus 16.35, the Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to the land that was to be settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan, the land God promised. So for 40 years in the desert, they had these incredible bread. I'm a carbohydrate person. I love bread. Going to heaven, I could live on bread. I'm going to live on bread. Uh, hopefully, I'll be tasting manna. So that sounds good to me. To have bread every day like that, like tastes like honey, to have a Danish every day from God, come on. But what did, listen to what they say when they became ungrateful. In verses in verse 5, the, second, the third part of the verse. For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Excuse me? This worthless bread? They loathed it. You see how our soul can affect our attitude towards God and towards God's people and God's authority? Wow. They're getting all stinking in their thinking, Fredo. Again, our perceptions are not as they claimed. They're having no food? That was a lie. They've been eating. For how many years they've been eating that bread? But their soul, that's the thing we have to harness is our soul, that wild part of our old nature that's already been crucified, but we have to deny 
its void. It's that two-year-old inside that rises up and it wants its way or it wants to act up or it wants to be spoiled or it wants to be used by the enemy or it wants to be nurtured and coddled and, and feel sorry for it. No, snap out of it. Get over yourself. I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. It is Jesus living through you. Can you, is it awesome when you think about that Jesus is living his life in you now as a Christian? Wow, it causes you to stand up. It causes you to put on your smiley face. It causes you to stand erect because it is Jesus, it is Christ himself who believes in you, who loves you, has washed you, has put himself in you. He wants to live out a life overcoming in you and through you. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to bless you. Satan gets us thinking, I'm never going to be blessed. Things are never going to change. No, things are always changing, but your soul is looking at one thing in the moment, and my soul too. In 1 Corinthians 10, 4, all Israel drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Again, God provided food and water daily. He provided spiritual substance. He provided for them a leader who would not give up on them. I mean, that was time I was reading a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was that rebellion, and then people came back the next day, and they wanted, they were mad because the rebellious guys got, got uh, went into the, alive into hell and swallowed up, and the next day they were mad because those bad guys got taken care of, and they were angry at God and Moses. And, and God says, stand aside, Moses. I'm going to wipe all of them out, and I'm going to raise up a generation out of you and your family. Wow. Moses goes, no, no. Moses stood up. No, don't touch your people, God. God, they're, pe- they're your people. And he stood in the gap, and he, and he brought forgiveness, and he brought the grace of God, and God did not wipe them out. Man, God is, God is incredible what he does and how he works through people. Unseen and unrecognizable Jesus. There he was in the wilderness supplying everything, and he's here for us. He's living in us. We don't see him, but we can see the effects of him in our life. If we'll look beyond what we see and what we feel, if we'll dare to have faith, in a living God who died on the cross to give us eternal life. And he wants us to live victorious through this life. He wants us to keep seeing him causing us to overcome things. Are you not overcoming something in your life? Maybe it's time to rise up and move past it. Maybe you're stuck because you're not believing he's in what you're going through and he's going to give you victory and he's going to give you an answer and he's going to cause you to rise above whatever it is. In Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and disputing. Keep looking to Jesus. I mean, I have to do it constantly, and I'm a pastor. I have to keep looking to Jesus. I keep having to look to Jesus. There are so many distractions. Maybe if we spend a whole day just keeping our eyes closed, that might help. But then our emotions are always at a heightened state. There's always something we're worried about or anticipating or anxious about. In Ecclesiastes 11.4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. That tendency to be stuck. Keep sowing. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't let whatever... You don't see movies. Stop your faith. Stop your prayer. There's a proper way to make a request. We can take advantage that Israel didn't take advantage of. I wonder if they'd approach the Lord and said, Lord, we so thank you for this manna. Oh, it is so sweet. It is so good. It is the best. But maybe could we have a little chicken once in a while? You know, I believe if they'd have come like that, because we know when they complained, God sent the quail, and he said, you can have quail until it's coming out your ears. But they were so, he was trying to get to their heart. They were ungrateful. They were stuck in their bitterness from Egypt. They were stuck in the, the now, the moment. They weren't looking beyond the moment. And God was trying to get a hold of them. 
He was trying to change them. He was trying to bless them. He was the blesser. He was trying to give them relationship with him. He was trying to nurture them. And he was getting frustrated because his heart was, I want relationship with you. I want to I want to know you to know how much I love you. Can't you see I love you by what I've provided? You're not a slave in Egypt anymore. I'm giving you food every day. Can't you can't you respond to that? In Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. So that's what we have today. We don't have to get angry or murmur or complain or, or, or go into a tantrum. We can simply say, God, hey, can we have this? Hey, we're your kids. You love us. You went to the cross for us. And it says, if God did not spare his own son Jesus for you, how will he not with Jesus give you all things? It's just our attitude and the priorities and what God wants to do. Sometimes we're over anxious, but in God's timing, he really wants to give you the things that you need and the things that you want. He's a good God. And then there's the old thing called consequences. Ever done something and then you're kind of hanging back because you know the consequence is coming? It was happening to Israel. But we're going to learn from it. In Numbers 21, 6, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. In Proverbs 29, 1, it says, Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Israel, sad to say, experienced the culmination of their being stiff-necked and the many rebukes, so the fiery serpents came. In James 3.10, it says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And because we don't seem to have the ability to tame our tongue, it's an unruly thing, and who can tame it is what James writes in James. We have the Holy Spirit, and we have the power of forgiveness and confession, where we can have our sins forgiven and ask the Holy Spirit to help us with our tongue, to help us restrain those outbursts that are going to cost us consequences as it caused them consequences. That place is called owning our sin. In Numbers 21.7, Now the fiery serpents had begun doing judgment. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away <coughs> the serpent. So Moses prayed for the people. In Jude 5 it says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So many things try our faith, but we must keep believing. Jude 8 and 10, uh, 8 through 10 say, Likewise also, these dreamers defile the flesh, they reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he was disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring any railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. But these evil speak evil of what they do not know and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts and these things they corrupt themselves we're to control our tongue first uh, james 126 says if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless this is a part just as we're getting ready to do communion jerry if you could just pass it out to communion look up change your focal point numbers 21 8 now the fiery serpents are I've already are already killing people. People are being bit. Moses, the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when they look at it, shall live. When Adam bit into that forbidden fruit in the garden, his focus shifted from the Lord to really the world, the devil, and every distraction from God. Discouragement began in the garden when he bit that fruit, when he went into disobedience. Numbers 21.9, so Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was that if a person, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when they looked at the bronze serpent, 
they lived. People who were bit were in great pain, and they knew they were dying. You might look at your condition today and say, you know, I am dying in my stuff. I am dying in my attitudes and my bitterness and my frustrations. Why don't you look up? Look up to Jesus on that cross who paid for all the sins that separate you from God. Looking to the, Im- to, looking to the serpent, the image on the pole, meant he was cursed to Israel. In the word, it says that it would be, a person would be cursed if they were hanging on a tree. We know that Jesus became that curse. In Deuteronomy 28, there's a list of everything that comes under the curse. Sickness, disease, um, poverty, all these things are under the curse of the law. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, that we might come into the blessing of Abraham. That's all in Deuteronomy 28. When Israel focused on the pain, the physical, emotional, and spiritual, and their sin against God and Moses were transferred onto the serpent, the devil, the object that was killing them, and healing life they were able to receive. Why look to the serpent on the pole? The serpent represents the devil in Eden. The pole, the serpent had been crucified. On that pole, that image, it was like the serpent was crucified. He was dead, and no longer did his bites have power to kill the people. Jesus crushed Satan's kingdom and power when he went to the cross because what separated us from God was our sin. Sin no longer separates a Christian from God. But the enemy uses our mind. He uses unforgiveness and roots of bitterness to separate us in relationship with God and others. But if we simply go to Jesus and say, forgive me, I am, I am wrong, immediately relationship is restored, and you position yourself to receive the blessings of what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He said, we have been crucified with Christ. It says that we're seated in heavenly places in in our victory over darkness class, we've been focusing last two weeks on our identity. Our, our identity is not in our sins. Our identity is in Jesus. He looks at us like we've never sinned because we came to the cross. We came to him through the blood of his son. So Satan reminds us of our sin or Satan gets us caught up in the moments and our attitudes and everything. And he keeps us on this ground level when we should be, I'm in heaven with you, Jesus. I'm fellowshipping with you. I'm in relationship with you. I'm rising above everything that's trying to, mess me you know mess with my mind a relationship that mess with us which causes us to have feelings of unforgiveness or bitterness or hatred we're to keep looking to the cross looking to jesus who take who took care of our sin that we could receive forgiveness this morning i want you to focus on the cross would you just you already have your all have your elements huh john three fourteen. as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up I tell you, Jesus wants to remind you that he's been lifted up for you, that you can come out from under stuff today, that you would position yourself to receive a healing. I tell you, in this atmosphere, in this moment, the Holy Spirit is here. You can receive a miracle. If you need a healing, you can receive it. People who were in the presence of Jesus got revelations at times, and they received. There were times with the apostles because they passed the message of the gospel on to people that Jesus died for all of your sins. There's nothing now that keeps the blessing of God from you. There's nothing now that even keeps healing from you if you'll just be open to receive. Just receive. It's not about having enough faith. It's believing God is good and God wants to impart something to you. Whatever you need today, be open. Say, God, I want it. Just ask for it. Say, you know what? If you have something that you have to ask forgiveness for, just quickly ask forgiveness for it and be open to receive. Right now, take the bread. It represents Jesus' body that was broken for you. It was torn. It took on the sins of the world, all the 
dirtiest, filthiest sins of every person went on to Jesus. All the sins. And so he went to the cross for our sins so that we could have a right relationship with him and a right relationship with others. He bore that pain because he cared about us and he cares about you. Take that bread right now. It's his body for you. Make it personal. Say, I need it, Jesus, because I want changes in my life this year. I don't want to be the same person. I want to be who you recreated me in Christ to be. Sometimes even Satan tries to make us afraid of, if I give my life to God, what am I going to have to do? Hey, I tell you, I never wanted to be a pastor. I was raised up in church. Hey, he forced me into it. Am I regretting it? No. Because a lot of times the things he, he pushes you towards, it's in your heart to be whatever he calls you to be, whatever he, he pushes you towards. It's because you were created to do it. And you eventually come around to like, this is where I fit. This is who I am. Now the blood, it's the most powerful thing. It says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's no sending away of our sin. So we take it now because it washes us of every sin, everything that Satan's trying to do to us. Right now, we are clean as we've ever been. I want you to be open now. Again, what is it you need? Do you need a healing? Lou, be open. I know you, you have your back thing. E, be open, E. He's the healer. There's nothing between you and the healer. What he did on the cross, even your healing. I know there's people who are suffering for different things. People have back things and different things going on. Be open to just receive right now. Finances, relationships, those things you're believing God for. Maybe you need a better job. Maybe you need just a whole new way to live. Your marriage, you're a single person and you're frustrated. I tell you, God wants to meet your needs. If you just want to connect with God a little bit more, sometimes just taking the step of faith, coming and just meeting with God and just being open, sometimes just sitting in the atmosphere. It takes time sometimes just to sit before God. Don't let your mind rush around and receive God. Come over here on my right, your left. No one will bother you. You could just take a few minutes to connect with God. If you want prayer, if you want someone to say, yeah, I have a need and, and I'm open and I want to I want to believe, I want to believe there's going to be an impartation. Come over here on my left, your right, and people who have been praying, and they want to impart to you, and they want to believe that God's going to meet you and meet your need, and they want to agree with your prayer for healing or, or whatever that is, come over here. People will pray. I tell you, some of you, you hear week after week, you never come and pray. Why don't you come and experience what happens when you get prayed for? It's a humbling thing to ask for help. And, and in our society, we're, to, we're taught to be all independent and be ourselves and take care of ourselves. What if you just come and let someone pray over you and say help me, I want to receive more, I, I've been blocked I, I, want to, I want more of God Lord just thank you Lord for your word and Lord as people are doing Lord things that you're putting on their heart I thank you that there's going to be testimonies that come from today of healing of things being restored of joy returning of having, uh, Lord, unforgiveness and just consequences lifted off of us from having hard hearts and being stuck. Lord, that even people will have a different attitude towards you by just receiving from you and knowing that you're a good God. God, wash over us today. God, help us to continue experiencing you. Help us as we walk out those doors today to not be distracted by those things the enemy uses to discourage us, but help us to believe that we're walking with you. Let us walk in faith. 
Let us begin to recognize the miracles that you're doing and the prayers that you're answering. 